Hello and welcome to the Helix Reviews Podcast. My name is David Arrington, bringing you reviews from a Christian Geek Worldview. And today on the show, I'm going to be talking about Thor, Love and Thunder, the latest Marvel movie to come up here. Uh, I'm excited for this one. Let's just uh, get right into the review. It's going to be a spoiler-free section, then a spoiler section at the end. So spoiler-free section first. Let's just get into right into the review right now. Kids, get to popcorn now. Let me tell you the story of the space viking, Thor Odinson. He was no ordinary man. He was a god. After saving planet Earth for the 500th time, Thor set off on a new journey. Well, he got in shape. He went from dad bod to god bod. And after all that, he reclaimed his title as the one and only Thor. Thor, Love and Thunder. Thor enlists the help of Valkyrie Korg and his ex-girlfriend Jane Foster, who mysteriously has the Thor superpowers now. Hmm, what in the world's going on there? They all unite to fight Gore, the God Butcher, who intends to make all gods extinct. Jane? old ex-girlfriend. What's it been like? Three? Four years? <laughs> Eight years, seven months, and six days. Give or take. Am I, uh, sensing feelings? Themes, messages, ideas, this is the part of the show where we look at the themes of Thor, Love and Thunder, and, and see what popped out to me. And there was actually a, a few things that popped out to me here. I think there was more, I guess there was a little bit more thematic depth in here uh, than what I expected going into it. This being uh, seemingly one of the more lighthearted kind of MCU movies, one of the more seemingly superfluous MCU movies. There's a little bit more here going on underneath the surface than you might expect. One of the overarching themes, we have uh, Gore the God Butcher who has this vendetta against the gods and uh so the, there's the idea that kind of he's presenting is that believing in a god makes you a fool you are a fool if you believe in a god and ultimately where the movie comes down and what i thought was kind of interesting i was i was kind of you know going okay it, are you a fool to believe in a god and ultimately the movie seems to kind of be saying no you're not a fool to believe in a god and belief in god can be good belief in a god can be uh you know like a, like a positive thing in your life and and okay just taking that just just that part of that thematic element uh yes it is good to believe in a god, and as a matter of fact, you are not a fool to believe in a god. You are a fool to not believe in a god if you believe what the Bible says. Psalm 14.1 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no god. So if you don't believe in a god, then actually that makes you the fool. So I actually agree with the movie in uh, that sense, saying... No, believing in a god does not actually make you a fool, as some people would purport that to, to be, you know. Now, that said, this movie, you know, being with the Thor's a god and all these other, you know, characters are gods and all this kind of stuff, uh, it, it is very much the open theist kind of thing where it's like, you can believe in any god. Any, any god that you believe in, those rules will apply to you, and those god, that heaven or hell is the one that you'll end up going 
going to or, or whatever, so on and so forth. Those are the good gods. Those are, you know, whatever gods you believe in, it's right. Don't even worry about it. No matter what kind of havoc that worldview causes on everybody else's worldview because none of those can actually work together. None of the gods and, and believing in the different gods can actually work together. This is an idea that is completely nonsensical, non-functional in the real world and just makes no sense at all. Belief does not cause reality. Observance does not cause reality. Nothing like that is how the world actually works. There is a god and there is uh, definitely only the the one you know it's either one way or the other but there the world is a definite place right and so this this idea is ridiculous this idea this is actually something me and josiah talked about some in the moon knight review recently because that that series also dealt with some of these kind of issues so overall i i did think it was uh interesting diving into some of this kind of stuff thematically uh having the the idea that you know Believing in the God does not make you a fool is, yes, that is a, a positive aspect of the movie, but then also the negative aspect of it's very open of just, oh, you can believe whatever you want to believe, and it's all kind of this wishy-washy, mushy, kind of very uh, negative, not, not positive, not correct view of the world. And also, apparently, you can believe in the wrong god, evidently, because, like, Gore is on a vendetta against the gods, and that's, you know, it's like, so it's like, you know, he, he he's against the gods because a god did something bad to him. So it's like, obviously, apparently, you can uh, <laughs> believe in the wrong god then, too, right? So it's like, okay, if... If you believe in the God, then then he exists and he's right for you and he works for you. But then if if you believe in him and then he can just reject you and that wait, how does this all work? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, okay, moving on. A few other themes that, that popped up here. Definitely a big one in here is like love is the most important thing. Um, kind of a big theme in the movie uh and you know is love the most important thing in the world uh, i guess kind of i mean uh the god created us to glorify him by loving him how do you love god by obeying his commandments so yes i guess in a way uh love is the most important thing our love for god and us loving god and then uh god loving us and so in a way i guess that's true there's also a thematically about kind of moving on from from relationships. You know, if you you broken up in a relationship and then struggling to move past that, uh, you know, being very closed off from any emotional contact or anything, and then kind of opening up to the the world again and to people again. You know, which is you know, okay, okay, cool. Not not a bad theme there. Uh, there's there is some wokeness in here, continuing the theme of Phase Four of the MCU, including a little bit of wokeness here. There's at least three homosexual characters in here. There is some some magic. I, I've talked about magic more in the Doctor Strange review. Uh, so if you want to hear me go a little bit more in depth, you can go to that one. There is you know some magic in here, and magic is is a real and evil thing that I think uh, that I think Christians should maybe take a little bit more seriously when it pops up in in media and stuff. And this directly has magic in connection with kids and stuff, and it kind of it's presented in a way that I think could make magic seem cooler to kids and stuff, which is uh, not something that I think necessarily is a, a good thing for kids to think that magic is cool because, again, magic is real and it's something that the Bible calls an abomination. So overall, thematically, I would say Thor Love and Thunder is kind of a mixed bag. 
the only ones who gods care about is themselves. So this is my vow. All gods will die. I've enjoyed the Thor movies, but they've been pretty consistently, like, lower-tier MCU movies. The first Thor movie was my least favorite MCU movie for a while, and then a few others have, uh, beaten that, so, (laughs) or gone under that, or whatever, however you want to phrase that, um... You know, the second Thor movie, I think, is pretty fun, uh, but just, again, one of the lower-tier MCU movies. Thor Ragnarok is the best of the Thor movies of those three, but again, it's it's one of the lower ones. I think uh, the, my, my biggest issue with Thor Ragnarok is the, the comedy and the drama mixture in there was all out of whack. Thor Ragnarok is like borderline a spoof of the Thor movies, just completely making fun of and and kind of discrediting his character in a way that that really kind of annoyed me in that movie. Despite the fact that I had fun with it, it was ultimately like this this is almost a disservice to the Thor character versus promoting or, or pushing his that character further. To me, watching this movie, I was I was going in expecting that same thing. We got the director back again. We got Taika Waititi back again directing this. It looks like again the very goofy, funny kind of version of Thor here, Uh, and that's definitely is, they're still definitely continuing the comedic angle, they're definitely continuing the very uh, wacky, weird, funny stuff with Thor, but Thor Love and Thunder takes the character and the story way more seriously, not that it's not goofy, there's goofy and ridiculous stuff in here, but it, it takes the drama and it takes those dramatic moments way more seriously, it does not constantly undercut them with jokes like I thought Thor Ragnarok did. This has the comedy and it has the drama and they blend together so that the the drama hits and the comedy hits when they need to. To me, this movie is so much more well-balanced in that respect and just like automatically, I like this movie better than Thor Ragnarok for that reason. So the big thing in this movie, the big, uh, the big reveal and all the trailers and everything, oh my goodness, Jane Foster is back, we got Natalie Portman back, and this time she's Thor, what in the world, she's picking up the hammer and throwing it and stuff, crazy, first off I just gotta say, she's not Thor. That's just, that's not how it works. Thor is not a mantle that can be passed around. The hammer is, the powers are, the god of thunder, the mantle maybe is. Though Thor technically is the god of thunder, so whoever got it would be the god of something else or something maybe, I don't know. But... Jane Foster is not Thor like she claims to be in this movie. Thor is literally just Thor's name. It would be like when Falcon gets the shield and he's like, yeah, now I'm Steve Rogers. It's like, no, you're not. You're Captain America. You are the mantle that is being passed on. Thor is Thor's name. Jane Foster is not Thor. She's Jane Foster. Maybe the God of Thunder if that is a mantle that can be passed on. But she's not Thor. And so it's just like that. To me... 
That is so stupid. When they did that in the comics and you're like, she's Thor now. It's like, no, she's not Thor. She's Jane Foster that can pick up a hammer. Come on now. Stupid. Uh, <laughs> and I guess to an extent, that's that's just a nitpick. That's like not a big deal. But again, when that happens, I'm just going, that's stupid. You're not Thor. Stop it. No, no. Okay. The fact that she can pick up the hammer and she can be Thor or whatever in the first place Again, this is something that I look at, much like when I see She-Hulk, or much like when I see any female version that's just kind of, oh, we're going to rip off the male version with the female version here. Whenever you do that, I always just go, okay, that's stupid. Now, convince me otherwise, okay? In the comic books, I've read a little bit of the Thor, the Jane Foster as Thor comic books, and they were fine. They were fine. I didn't continue reading them. Uh, so it's not like, I, I don't know too much about him, but I've read a couple of those comics, you know? So it's like, okay, I, I'm slightly aware of her character in the comics, but convince me of her taking this role in the MCU here. And they somewhat convinced me I guess they convinced me about as well as I think I'm, I'm willing to be convinced of this character picking up the hammer and stuff the explanation for that is like okay I guess that's fine enough <laughs> but it's I still think the the that whole idea of Jane Foster being the one that picks up the hammer and stuff is just silly it's just weird and goofy and dumb but uh but okay you know like like the the way they, they did it in the movie, the way they set it up and kind of executed it in the movie, they they did about as well of a job as you could for me, like, accepting this character in this role, like, moving in this direction. You know, so it's like, okay, fine. <laughs> I'm not jazzed about it, but the way they did it was pretty good. And I would say this is Natalie Portman's best performance in the Thor movies by far. You know, like, like uh, the first couple movies, she is definitely more just the, the girlfriend, you know, care sidekick kind of character that, that falls in love with Thor over a weekend, uh, but we're supposed to buy into it being the love of her life and Thor's life, even though Thor's been around for thousands of years or something. You know, it's, it's okay, okay. <laughs> you know, that's that's stuff that I had a hard time buying into in the past and didn't necessarily like like she's one of the less interesting of the girlfriend characters. And it seems like the, the people must have agreed with me or the movie makers agreed with me because they definitely uh, just kind of got rid of her character, or pushed her out of the way and had them break up. She he wasn't she wasn't in Thor Ragnarok. She wasn't in any of the Avengers movies or anything. You know, just kind of pushed her out of the way. Mwah whatever, you know? Uh, so it's like, okay, her coming back here and having a substantial and kind of different angled role in this movie, uh, is interesting and, and fairly well done. And again, I think we get the, the best performance out of Natalie Portman, uh, we've gotten in these movies particularly. Uh, I mean, Chris Hemsworth back in here as Thor, he, he's definitely the very goofy comedic version of Thor that was, uh, really started in Thor Ragnarok. I mean, he, he, he was, you know, goofy or whatever in the previous movies, but it, what really started in Thor Ragnarok is what the Thor that is, is continuing here. Fun. Very fun. Uh, it's maybe potential for a little bit deeper, but I think we got, we got a little bit deeper in this movie than previously. And, uh, yeah, pretty fun. Uh, Tessa Thompson back as Valkyrie. Uh, pretty fun there. I'm not gonna say way too much crazy new here, but some pretty fun stuff there. Uh, Christian Bale. Oh my goodness. Christian Bale 
is Gore the God Butcher. I was really surprised to hear Christian Bale in the MCU. This does not seem like he, he like he is a very like uh, Oscar-y kind of movie or very hardcore drama kind of movie or, or like that seems like the kind of movies that he makes and like somehow you know he made the Batman movies so yeah I mean he got like popular in a way with <laughs> with superhero movies but that was with Christopher Nolan who had already made some pretty hardcore like com- drama kind of movies with like Memento and stuff so it's like it, he was already working with a filmmaker that was maybe more geared towards his style of because I, I don't know I get the impression that Christian Bale is a very choosy filmmaker and or a very choosy actor so I was like why is he doing this and then I see it and I'm like you know what okay I guess I get it because I think this is one of the most intense weird and interesting one of the most different villains that we've seen in the MCU so far and I really liked Gore the God Butcher he is so incredibly creepy and man Christian Bell leans into the bizarre creepiness of Gore the God Butcher uh, but then there's also kind of this little bit of a, a poignant kind of angle to him as well a little bit of a, a poignant kind of uh, emotional kind of side to him that that you can kind of see a little bit and you can kind of connect to a little bit and you can kind of understand him a, a little bit in this movie and Dude, that that balance to me it worked really well, and and man, Gore the God Butcher, a uh, fantastic villain in here, definitely leaning into the horror. I mean, we just got the, probably what is the most horror based movie that's in the MCU so far with Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness, but this one, they like most of it's not leaning into the horror. Most of it is very much the comedy, comedic kind of stuff. But there is scenes with. Gore the God Butcher in here that is like straight up horror movie type stuff and it's it's fantastic it's like some of the best stuff in the movie it's very very good there's also some cool kind of creepy monsters and stuff around him that are also very cool the Guardians of the Galaxy are also in here for a little bit and they're very fun to see in here uh there is some phenomenal action sequences in here uh like really Really, some interesting kind of inventive kind of action sequences going on here. Some, some they they keep adding with the MCU movies. They keep finding ways to sneak in some kind of different kind of action sequences in here. And this movie definitely has a a couple sequences that I think are very good. One in particular that is just an excellent, excellent action sequence. Very good. I'll talk more in depth about that when I get to the spoiler section, spoil some of that stuff, but mm, really good. Uh, Also, some of the most uh, visually kind of striking scenes in the MCU so far. Uh, So very cool in that respect too. Expanding the lore in the MCU here, especially around the gods. So they definitely uh, introduce, you see Russell Crowe in the trailers. I don't think they said who he was but you see him in the trailers briefly and so like him and all the kind of stuff around that they're definitely trying to uh dive more into the pantheon of gods and all that kind of stuff going on in the mcu uh very interesting i I think there's a lot of uh 
Easter egg stuff potential here that I probably will didn't notice and stuff in the background with some of these scenes where they're really just blowing out the MCU and and who all is showing up here in the MCU and all this kind of stuff. I think there's uh, a lot of interesting lore expanding stuff going on here with this movie, which is pretty cool overall. This is easily the best Thor movie, in my opinion. This is, uh, I'm not going to say this is top tier MCU, but this is like mid to higher MCU movie. Very fun, very entertaining, and definitely a step up from the previous Thor movies. I just want to say that was very, very impressive what you did back there. This is my first bad guy. Never forget you first. Thor God and Thunder is rated PG-13 for intense sequences of sci-fi violence and action, language, and some suggestive material and partial nudity, which was just completely random and unnecessary, honestly. But I would give it a 4 out of 5 on the enjoyability scale. You are not like the other gods of kill. Have something worth fighting for. Spoiler time. It's time to dive into the spoilers of Thor Love and Thunder. You've been warned. We're gonna I'm gonna start spoiling the movie here. So yeah, fair warning. You've been warned. Alright, I've delayed this long enough. Let's go. Something that carried over from the Jane Foster Thor comics is that Jane has cancer. Now, I don't know how this was resolved in the comic books, uh, but I, you know, reading a couple of those issues that that was going on. Jane had Jane Foster had cancer. So when she went back to like her human form, she was dying of cancer when she grabbed and went into God mode or whatever. She then had she was like cured and she was strong and fast and all that kind of stuff uh very interesting honestly I, this uh this definitely added to her, her character here because i think honestly i think if they did not do this i would have liked i would have liked her uh getting the hammer and then having this storyline less because i i don't want her to be the ongoing thor in the future movies but the fact that they didn't do that and they just had her for this last period of her life uh, as she has cancer and is dying of cancer here her final story arc here of getting the hammer and, and kind of you know using that to to you know keep off the inevitable but then ultimately succumbing to the inevitable at the end of the movie and ultimately kind of sacrificing herself by taking up the hammer uh to use it one last time which kind of pushed her over the edge and killed her at the very end of the movie uh it made it more dramatic it made her have more to do character wise here than just be either the damsel in distress or just be the new superpowered person it has that aspect to it but then also the aspect of every time she puts on the hammer she is now suddenly very sickly and she's trying to figure out how to deal with that, trying to not really tell Thor about it, but then that ultimately kind of comes out and it, it adds some really good kind of dramatic moments to the movie. It adds some a little bit more depth in that area to the movie that I think was uh, very well done. And again, I don't know how this ended in the comic books. I don't know if, if Jane Foster's dead in the 
the comic books now or not, uh, or, or if she died and, and came back to life, you know, big surprise that would be, but, <laughs> you know, like will probably happen at some point in the MCU here, uh, but, but, the fact that they, they did it this way and played it this way in the MCU, I did very much enjoy. Uh, her hammer splitting into a million pieces and then coming back together, very cool, very fun, visually, like, very fun seeing it all fly and then come all back together and stuff. Very cool, very cool. Uh, and makes sense well enough for, for the MCU and stuff. Makes sense enough that it's, like, cool. I like it. I do wonder, by the way, with Jane Foster's ending, I'm going to talk about one of the after credit scenes here, and then I'll save the other one for the for the end, probably. Uh, but Jane Jane Foster at the in the second after credit scene is going to Valhalla because again, she believes in Thor. She has faith in Thor, and so she gets to you know go to whatever king gods you know she's kingdom she believes in or whatever. And so uh, she believes in Thor, so she ends up going to Valhalla. She meets Heimdall, kind of a cool little cameo there and she goes into Valhalla you know okay fine cool enough after credit sequence kind of a little bit of a closure for her cool um but then pops up on the screen Thor will return and I was like face palming and going what Thor is gonna return you say Thor will return of course you know we all expected Thor to return we all expected Chris Hemsworth's Thor to return but when it said Thor will return right after that after credit scene I'm going are they saying she's gonna return are they saying she's gonna come out of Valhalla and become Thor again and be like hey I'm back and if that's the case stupid let's not do that guy come on guys ugh but <laughs> But I hope that's not the case. I hope when it says Thor will return, just like basically every MCU movie, it'll say Shang-Chi will return, you know? It's like, uh, you know, I, I just hope that it's talking about Thor, the Thor that we all know and love, and not the new Thor, you know? So, okay. <laughs> I hope she's dead. I'd, I wish death meant something in the MCU, but they've went so far beyond that at this point that death doesn't mean anything in the MCU, and she'll probably be back, you know? Psh, we'll see. I almost felt like somebody else should have died in this movie, too. I mean, uh, her dying at the end, uh, okay, good, you know, like a good kind of, uh, you gotta have kind of that emotional beat there. I almost felt like somebody else should have died in the movie, too, because it was like, uh, Valkyrie, gets stabbed through the gut, Korg, like, explodes into a million pieces, Sif gets her arm cut off, it's like, I almost feel like one of those characters should have died, you know, to, to further shoot Thor on this journey and give, give him, like, the motivation more, I guess, even though he had the motivation to an extent, but it's almost just like, oh, the kids were kidnapped, and it's like, oh, yeah, I gotta save the kids, but then it's like, they, they still have time to go, you know, visit the omnipotent city and all that kind of stuff, so it's like, eh, and okay, <laughs> I almost felt like they, they needed something, maybe, a little, to give it a little bit more urgency or something, have Gore the God Butcher come in and, and kill one of those or something, you know, uh, we didn't see Gore the God Butcher maybe kill enough gods we, we should have seen him kill one more god or something you know to really showcase him as the big threat earlier on or something maybe because uh early on you know he, he kills the one immediately at the beginning but then after that most of the time it's his minions going at and, and doing the battle and stuff and he's just being creepy in the background so it's almost we almost could have seen him killed another one 
at least even if it was not one that we we know and were following before, like uh, Sif or Valkyrie or something, you know, if, if he went and killed somebody else that we knew just to, and, and you know, maybe somebody Thor knew and was like, oh my goodness or something, I don't, I don't know, it almost felt like maybe we needed one more or something, but maybe, maybe not, you know. Sif is basically a cameo in here, she shows up in here uh, very briefly, two times, you know, when her arm gets cut off and then she talks a little bit and then at the very end of the movie she's like training one of the kids or something. We get some other cameos in here, uh, Kat Dennings shows up for a little bit from the first two movies, uh, Stellan Skarsgård, I don't remember if he was in Thor Ragnarok, uh, but he was in the first couple movies, he was in the first Avengers movie and stuff, Idris Elba, you know, showing up in that after credits scene, pretty cool, so they're, they're definitely... Uh, getting some of those cameos in there, getting some of the, the MCU f fans happy there with, with some of those. That's that's pretty fun. Thor gets his, his flying goats in here, from, which is from the comics. Uh, very goofy, but but it, it works in here. You know, it's it's part of the comedy, it's part of the fun, and I I enjoyed them. You know, honestly, they, they work in here. They fit in with kind of the absurdity of some of the stuff that's going on in here that it just... It just it fits right in with all that, and it's fun. Uh, Omnipotent City is very uh, interesting because that's where we meet Zeus and we meet some of the other gods. We see Korg's god sitting up there and stuff. So it's like, okay, you know, the, this they're they're opening up all this kind of stuff. I again, I, you know, I, I don't like the the whole gods thing in the movies. You know, that's that's another aspect of of Thor and stuff that I don't necessarily like is the idea of introducing characters that they refer to as gods and that people pray to as gods and stuff. And, you know, I mean, I don't necessarily have an issue with, like, having a movie about Thor or something because Thor is a false god and it's it's almost like meat sacrificed to idols in the Bible kind of thing where it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's Thor was fake. Thor was always fake. And so kind of we're almost making fun of him in a way <laughs> the the making movies like this about him uh so it's it's i don't know i guess to me it's like it's i don't have a moral issue with that it's just it's just kind of a weird thing you know introducing zeus and stuff here uh definitely a very comedic version of zeus some funny stuff happens there and then Thor, I think it was Thor, yeah, it was Thor that ends up throwing the bolt through him, killing him, supposedly, uh, killing him. Immediately, I was like, he can't be dead. That was Zeus. He doesn't just die from a bolt flying through him. You don't kill him in, like, a brief little scene here in the middle of a Thor movie, do you? Um, <laughs> though when he killed him, I thought, you know what would be cool is if Thor went on like a God of War style rampage, just killing all the gods. But then I realized that's what Gore the God Butcher was doing, so I was like, oh, I guess... I guess not. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was like a fun little sequence. That was the sequence with the nudity too, which was just, uh, I don't know. It, it just seemed needless. It was just there for the joke. And it is, I don't know. I didn't necessarily have an issue with it. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's a dude's butt. And, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I've seen that before. I guess whatever, you know. I guess I, I find it interesting in a woke movie that happening. Because, again, if, if you... Uh, if you take that and you reverse the sexes there and it's the girl that gets stripped naked and then the guys are like, whoa, like the girls are in this movie, it would be like, oh, geez, that's super sexist and terrible there. But then when it happens to a dude, it's like, cool. You know, so it's like, okay, you know, there's there's a little bit of a hypocrisy there. But ultimately, I don't necessarily have a big issue with it. It's just like, okay. <laughs> Thematically, the stuff going on with Gore the God Butcher is the stuff I found the most interesting thematically going on in this movie with, uh, at the beginning of the movie, 
you know, Gore is in the desert. Him and his daughter, I think it was a daughter. Yeah, his daughter is dying in the desert there. His daughter ends up dying. He is just completely broken. And then he stumbles into this luscious area in the desert, which is where his god that he is worshiping is uh, is located. And he's like, are you saving me? Are you helping me? And the god just kind of makes fun of him and is just like, hey, you're stupid. Whatever, you know. And, uh, and... But which, by the way, insinuates again that you can you can worship the wrong god, which is like if any god is fine for you, then wh- how is it that you can worship the wrong god? How is it not basically forming around you, basically, with that kind of ideology? It doesn't make any sense. Again, uh, but at the beginning of the movie, he puts his faith in this god. This god betrays him and tries to kill him and and makes fun of his dead daughter and stuff. So so this very terrible, evil kind of god. He gets the sword that kind of possesses him, kills that god, and he's like, I'm going to kill all the gods now. And he, throughout the movie, he is just in this pit of despair and anger and rage, killing the gods, hating the gods. And then at the end of the movie, he sees hope in Thor. He sees some some lightness in Thor. He sees potential in Thor. And he, he turns to the other god and he makes that final wish. And instead of wishing that all gods would die, which is what everybody is, uh, you know, assuming that he's going to wish, he wishes for his daughter to come back. His daughter comes back and then Thor is going to raise his daughter. So it's like a very interesting kind of arc for the villain there. And that ending is kind of what makes it go where it's like, okay, no, uh, putting your faith in a God is not foolish. Putting your faith in a God is not futile. But again, there's all the gods that you can choose from. And there's all the different ways that that affects your life, that it would affect everybody differently based on the, the gods that they're believing in, whatever those happen to be kind of idea. But I think that was a very interesting story arc for Gore to go on. And I, I didn't really expect him to necessarily be redeemed by the end of the movie. Like I, I didn't see that coming until Thor was talking to him at the end of the movie and kind of reasoning with him and I was thinking okay maybe this could happen I guess and then it happens and it's like oh that's 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 kind of cool that works you know and that's again it, it definitely makes him one of the more interesting villains in the MCU so far in my opinion but dude he is so creepy like the part where he is he's like wrapping them up in those dark gooey vines whatever those things are and he's like gloating over them and stuff so creepy the way he's walking and talking so creepy and weird and just so well done man you can tell christian bell is a phenomenal actor and he just he nails this man it's so good so good the scene where he's sitting in the cage with all the kids talking to the kids is so creepy man it is so <laughs> creepy like this stuff dude if if you like aren't used to horror movies or if you're younger you know if you let your kid watch this movie this is the kind of stuff that gives you nightmares man this stuff dude so creepy <laughs> it's really really well done in my opinion, way creepier than anything that happened in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is like a little bit more of the the MCU horror movie-ish kind of thing, which they were kind of going for with that movie. It's like, this was way more creepy, and a lot of, a lot of that is, is the performance from Christian Bale just being so, so good. 
The best action sequence in this movie is when they go into the shadow dimension and everything is black and white. They land on this planet that is like really small so it like zooms out and you can like see the curve of the planet as they're kind of walking around it and then the you see there's like bits of color in here but the color is only coming from the light of magical weapons and so when thor's hammer lights up or when uh thor's axe lights up or when the lightning bolt lights up the reflection of that will reflect the color but everything else is just black and white so cool so visually very interesting very striking it very much puts the mood of the darkness of this villain kind of over them and everything. Very, very cool. Just everything about that. And then it's on this tiny planet that's kind of, you can see, again, the curvature just because it's so small and everything. And it's it's very, very cool. So I mentioned the magic with the kids in the, uh, the thematic section. So that section is at the, in the final battle at the end of the movie uh is when he bestows his powers upon these kids which okay wait a minute can he just bestow his power on anybody it's like to an, ex an extent okay i mean that's what odin did to him right that's what he gave him all the powers and then he says it into the hammer and throws it and stuff so that's where that's where some of his powers and stuff come from so it's like okay i guess i get it in that respect but he just does it to like 50 kids or something and there's just tons of can he just rise up an army of thors here with all of their different weapons like that doesn't make any sense really <laughs> because why isn't there like an army of asgardian thors then or something you know like why didn't those guys come and and help with thanos and stuff you know it's like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense and also this is the part where it's like you know, giving magic to all the kids, and this is like kid power kind of moment, and kid power with magic, making magic look cool to kids is probably not a great thing for your kids to be consuming, uh, because again, magic is something that is real and evil. Now that said, Thor, at the end of this movie, comes out with a kid of his own, you know, an adopted daughter that now can pick up Stormbreaker and use that, so that's interesting, and then Thor's using his hammer, so that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, 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 that is, Stormbreaker is, like, bigger than the kid, so it's, it's very strange looking there. I think that's very cool. You know, we, we, I, I want more kind of family kind of stories in superhero stuff i think that is a really cool untapped potential for superheroes uh fantastic four the movie that movie i'm assuming will have that I i'm really hoping that's the angle that they're gonna go for with the fantastic four movie but now they're making thor a dad and they're making thor have a kid and have a kid that even has like some superpower kind of stuff going on very cool very interesting and i think there's a lot of potential here for uh very interesting storytelling with that in the future so cool like i i really like that and i'm very curious to see where that's gonna go in the future uh yeah cool i like that and the fact that thor is honoring his uh you know what he said to gore the god butcher in that you know yes i will take care of your daughter he's not like yes i will take care of your daughter and give her to somebody else here sif you take care of her or something you know it's not like that he's not passing off the daughter you know he's not doing anything. he said he, he kind of vowed to him that yes i'll take care of her and then 
he's doing it and he's doing it himself and stuff. And the way they set up the scene, I think it's very fun. It's like a oh, first day of school kind of set up for the scene. And then they go out and they're fighting monsters and stuff. So it's like, okay, fun. Then the movie ends. You got two after credit scenes. I already talked about one, but the other one, you got reveal Zeus is alive. Not a big surprise there, but I'm like, okay, good. You know, Zeus isn't just dead from that lame thing. And then setting up him and Hercules as a villain of the next movie, presumably the next movie here, not a team up movie or something, but setting up him as a villain in the future. Very cool. Like that. He, he was such a goofy, dorky kind of villain in this movie. Uh, character, he wasn't even really a villain in this movie. But setting up maybe something a little bit more serious with his character, because he was being really showy and everything for the crowd there. So you could kind of get away with some of that goofiness there. It, it was that too, right? It's him playing it up and stuff. Um, for him to have a little bit more of a serious character too, he's ticked off because of Thor and stuff. And so so he's like, all right, we're going to take down Thor and Her Hercules. That's your job. So we're going to get Hercules. I didn't recognize the actor who played Hercules. I don't know who that is. Brett Goldstein is apparently the actor. Uh, I don't know who that is. So, okay. The the character of Hercules coming in here makes sense. It's kind of, it's almost kind of long overdue to have like a Hercules and Zeus and the, these kind of characters also showing up. It's like, yeah, you know, if, if you're going to introduce all the pantheons of all the gods and all that kind of stuff, it makes sense to have these characters coming in here at some point. Whether Zeus is going to just be a villain or become a hero throughout the course of the next movie or whatever, I have a sneaking suspicion he will be and maybe just Zeus will be the villain at the end of that movie or something. I I don't know for sure, but I could definitely see that happening. Uh, and really, I mean, the only other Thor character that I really kind of am curious about them introducing would be Beta Ray Bill. I, I was kind of expecting Beta Ray Bill to show up in this movie. And when even in the, the omnipotent city, where I was like, is Beta Ray Bill going to be here or something? But nope, nope, no Beta Ray Bill. Uh, I definitely think that's one that Taika Waititi in this kind of Thor movie could do, you know? And so, uh, maybe next time we'll see. <laughs> That's it for this episode. This is David, uh, Helix Reviews, signing off. Bye-bye, guys.